welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for another review of The Matildas, The World at Our Feet, the documentary documentary series streaming over on Disney Plus at the moment. We've just spoken about episode three, so it's time to crack into episode four. This was a real big one, I think, especially in like hindsight, seeing what we saw and now knowing what we know, this was a really pivotal episode. So plenty to talk about. But before we get into the chat, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today, you've got me, Marissa Lodanik, and Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So, friendos, we left the last episode uh, reliving the absolute trauma that was Ellie Carpenter doing her knee. Um, and we start this episode by getting a real behind the scenes of like the immediate aftermath of her injury. And I think I said this to you guys, whenever Disney Plus sat down with the Matildas and was like, so here are our plans for the documentary. I'm pretty sure none of them expected or would have wanted to follow one of the star players undergoing the rehab of what is a major injury so what was it like for you guys see like getting to see Ellie in this state because it's not something we do get to see we get the little snippets on social media but we don't really get to see it like this yeah like even though it was obviously not planned it's probably the most interesting part of the whole series to me because this is the reality that players go through. And as we're seeing at the moment in women's football, there is this epidemic of ACL injuries and we always get the outside sort of stoic um, responses from players. You know, we saw Lee Williamson recently come out and, and make that little statement, but we never see this bit. We never actually see the emotion of it. We never see the the grind, the hard work, um, the the, the con- constant like appointments and and the hobbling around the apartment and just how isolating and lonely that can be. So that's what I, I think is so um, fascinating and so rewarding about seeing this side to Ellie Carpenter because especially for someone like her whose personality publicly has always been so positive and so optimistic and and such a fighter, but to see her sort of crumble apart and to have this overwhelming doubt about her own future um, made her extremely human and extremely relatable and it made me care so much more about her you know like this this episode episode four it opens two days after the Champions League final she hasn't even gone and got surgery yet she's still just hobbling around on crutches her partner Daniela Vanderdonk is there and she's sitting on the couch and she says something like like mentally this injury is going to be the most difficult thing for me and she has this moment where she's like, maybe I'm not back for the World Cup. And she just burst into tears. And I was like, ah, Ellie, it's how we all felt as well. It was so, it was, yeah, it was just one of those moments of absolute heartbreak. Um, I, yeah, I, so I, I think it's, but this is the great thing about this kind of genre of filmmaking, I think. Like you just follow along and the story writes itself sometimes. Um, and Ellie, again, in hindsight, because all this stuff has happened in the past and so we can sort of see it through a different kind of lens, seeing the kind of player that Ellie is becoming now, it almost feels like this was the the moment that she needed to have in some ways. And she goes on throughout the series to talk about how 
Like she hasn't had a break since she was 15, which is extraordinary. Um, and this injury has sort of come at almost exactly the time that she needed to because she was so close to burning out anyway. So it's, yeah, it's almost like the the universe was like, you know what, here's an enforced break, <laughs> which, you know, none of us wanted, but, you know, maybe it's going to be the, the best thing for her in the end. You raise an interesting point about burnout because that just made me think what do what happens when an athlete burns out emotionally or, or psychologically versus like having a moment like this where they're just a, a major injury because I suppose we uh, as fans don't necessarily get to see what that manifests as until maybe after the fact um, or we just see it as like the player not doing very well or performing badly or whatever and don't have the entire context behind it. So, yeah, I yeah, this was re- a really interesting episode and it reminded me a lot for very obvious reasons, but um, Keep Up have done the A-League, A-League's All Access doco series as well and they have a, a episode where they follow Kayla Morrison, um, which is like kind of follows her from the, the very similar moments and uh yeah it's it's heartbreaking for players when this happens like yeah um and I think in the current context as well of what we're seeing in the lead up to this world cup in terms of ACL injuries can't help but feel kind of angry (laughs) as well um because some of the things that are touched on in this episode is how it's a very gendered thing and it's not necessarily just a case of like girls are just built different it's the fact that there's inequity in the um, research space on this stuff and that's meaning that we're not understanding properly what's happening and why it's happening but there are definitely um, inklings as to why and yeah I guess for me that anger comes from like why is this as Beth Mead said in an interview recently um, if this was happening in the men's game a similar epidemic of a of an injury as severe there would be a lot more fuss and a lot more research there'd be a bloody you know, inquiry from every confederation. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's um, – but, yeah, we, we rarely get to see kind of the immediate impact of these things on players. And, yeah, again, so lucky to be able to see Ellie out the other side of it. I also thought it was really interesting, Sam Kerr talking about, like, when you have an injury like this, like players, they, they get in the gym and, and they work on the smaller things that they wouldn't necessarily have the capacity or the time to focus on if they are still playing. So I, I – thought that was interesting as well um but yeah for Ellie Carpenter I think this was her first and hopefully her last like major major injury and um I think kind of sort of blessed in that regard as well she hasn't been someone who's picking up those smaller injuries over time as well which I think must have quite a different psychological impact as well but shit nonetheless anyway yep so uh yeah super interesting episode and I think um, the second part of this series, not jumping ahead, that's one of the things I got the most out of it was looking at these behind behind the scenes and this load management stuff and what goes into supporting um, players at this level. We will definitely get more into that um, as we progress through, but the kind of natural segue in the episode and in this episode here is that Injuries present opportunities for other players. Um, 
and absences in general present opportunities for other players. We saw in episode three that, you know, FA behind the scenes were like, we need to rest certain players for this international window, June 2022. Otherwise, they are going to be zonked. Um, And I think I said it in that episode as well, like, we're starting to see that now with other teams and other federations who haven't been allowed to rest players. There are some players who haven't had decent off seasons in two seasons and are going into another two major tournaments. So it's a really kind of fraught time for world football, but um, we see the June international window of 2022. And the two kind of main characters of this episode are Charlie Grant and Courtney Vine. And we get to kind of follow their journeys. Again, obviously with hindsight, it's really fun to now kind of look back and look at them and be like, you were such babies. You were such children. And now you're like genuinely starting Matildas. Like that is a very genuine thing. Were you guys like feeling I suppose pride in a weird kind of way, looking at these at Charlie and Courtney and being like, you don't know it, but you're about to go so far and things are going to be so good, but you just have to get through this little Spain camp because that that's not fun. <laughs> I loved this episode so much exactly for that reason, because you see these players who we have been so familiar with in the A-League women's for a number of years and we see where they've got to now and you sort of see these little moments where they start to believe in themselves. And I just like feel like a really proud mum, you know, like we've, we've watched you since you were a baby and now you're here. It's so great. I loved, loved, loved the the opening scene with Courtney Vine where she's sitting in her car and, she, and the battery is flat. She tries to, and she knows that the camera is rolling on the dashboard and she's just like has this moment of absolute mortification. It's, it's so funny. Um, what I also really loved about this in terms of Courtney is that, Really, for the first time, we get a, a really good insight into how driven she is as well. Like we people who sort of know Courtney and who've spoken to her in the media, like she's a real jokester. She's really chill. She's really fun. But she's also a really serious competitor. And this was the episode where you start to really see what she has been doing and how she thinks about herself in the context of the Matildas. Like when she comes out and says, I want to be the fastest player in the world. I was like, hell yeah, you do. And you could totally be that as well. Like if you do all the right things and if you train properly and if you, whatever, like that could totally be a thing, but like, how sick is that? She wants to be the fastest player in the whole world. Like even just that as a concept is so rad. Um, But yeah, like seeing, seeing these two players in particular um, starting at this point, and knowing how far they come after this point is so rewarding. And I also really loved the the scene where it goes from um, it goes from Ellie straight to to Tony watching a Hammerby game, which I also didn't realize was his hometown club. It's pretty cute. And he's sitting in the stand, and there's a friend who comes over to him and asks him, you know, the question: Can you find a replacement for Ellie Carpenter? And there he is sitting in that little stadium watching Courtney Nevin, watching Tegan Micah and, and Charlie Grant is, is sitting in the stands with him. Like that, that's, that's, it feels like that scene was pre-written, you know, it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, no, I think this was like, even though at the time the Spain and Portugal friendlies felt so bad and they felt like one of the lowest ebbs of the whole era what I really loved was seeing the way in which Tony framed that window for the players 
I don't think he necessarily framed it very well for us at the time, but I think he framed it well for the players. And even though we saw, um, you know, the the terrible scoreline and we saw the reactions of all the players and whatever, seeing the way in which he rationalises it for all of them and talking about how this was an opportunity to to win a player, which is the title of, of episode four, right, win a player, um, and learning something from that experience. I think that was that was really, really valuable, getting that insight. And it makes me trust him so much more, I think, seeing moments like that too. That scene before the Spain game, we're in, they're in the locker room and they're in the huddle, and I'm like, these are babies. That is, those are fetuses. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. There's, oh, they're just so little. Anyway, yeah, it's like got um, Beanie and um, Jamila Rankin in the huddle and, uh, who, yeah, who else? Charlie Grant. She's not quite – I feel like she's progressed beyond being a baby, but, like, it's just such young faces and it's like, oh, no, 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 we know what's going to happen here. Um, but, yeah, there's a very cute moment in that episode where Charlie, Charlie Grant reflects on that game and she says um, – there were moments where I won the ball off the best player in the world. And she's talking about Alexia Pateas and it's like, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did, Charlie. Look at you go. So yeah, it was, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that, that aspect of it. Um, and yeah, the Charlie Grant, I, I wonder if even during editing, um, like at what stage this this episode was put together because it feels like even the progression the past few months, like she's become so much more firmly established as well with Ellie Carpenter coming back. So, yeah, super interesting. And um, also Tony being like, I promise you it was worth it. Like the, the post-game um, talk from him was really nice as well, I found. Oh, well, I, I thought, yeah. But, Marissa, you, you said you had some cynical and th- maybe skeptical thoughts about the halftime chat in the Spain game. I, I just it was it was obviously like watching this with hindsight, getting to see like what Tony says um, is very funny. So like the post game huddle where he's like, "It was worth it." I know it feels shit now, but it was worth it. It's like, yes, I agree. I can see that. But halftime of the Spain game. Tony goes in and he says, uh, you know, we're going to win this game. We just need to do the same but better. And it was like <laughs> um, task failed. Oh, bless. Task <laughs> failed very much so. Um, so, yeah, it was just, it made me laugh because obviously I knew what was coming. They didn't at the time. Um, but, yeah, that is something that I have enjoyed just – how like watching how Tony communicates with the players and how he does kind of explain things to them. Um, it's really, really interesting. And then I think to kind of like cap off, I feel like the Portugal game was very much glossed over. Like this was about the Spain game and then like in tiny font, mm. also the Portugal game was there. Um, but the fourth, the fourth kind of baby we get to learn a little bit more about in this episode, I'm counting Ellie as a baby because she technically is. Um, was Barry Fowler. And we were talking right before mm. we um, hit record. We all know, like, the story of Mary Fowler. We all know who Mary Fowler is. We obviously all rate her very, very highly. But in terms of actually, like, hearing her speak and getting to hear 
who she is as a person directly from the source. I feel like we've had no opportunities to ever sort of get to know her in that way. So getting to like sit down with her on a couch facing the camera, telling us about her life, getting to see her interact with her brothers, it was really cool. Like I was so excited to be able to kind of get to know Mary in this way and sort of see who she is not on the field. So I really enjoyed kind mm. of learning about her in Montpelier, her life with her her life with her brothers. It was just like, yes, that is a sibling dynamic. This is <laughs> where they were making fun of one of the brothers, like, you run when you're cross you're cross-eyed when you run, bro. It's slowing you down. Like that was so stupid and such a brother-sister like <laughs> kind of thing to say. It was so silly. But I really, really enjoyed getting to learn more about Mary Fowler. Yeah, she's a really chill, really mature human being. I think this is one of the first opportunities that most Matildas fans have to actually see who Mary Fowler is and the fact that she's got a really sturdy head on her shoulders. And she's so like, like I've interviewed Mary a couple of times now and she's so philosophical. The way that she looks at herself and her life is really remarkable for someone her age. And I don't really think we appreciate the fact that Mary moved to France to join Montpellier and play professional football the day before she turned 17. Like, what were you doing when you were 17? I was just, like, sitting around eating leaves when I was 17. I wasn't doing anything. You know, how terrifying You're gonna need to would expand it be on to that. go to the other side of the world? What? <laughs> what kind, like... It's, it's, <laughs> what kind of leaves? Do you mean, like... <laughs> like, were you sitting like, under no, a tree? I just mean just... Yeah, just yeah. That's would you buy a bag not, of spinach? Than that. Like what were you doing? <laughs> like my brain went to I just know Okay. That... Not drug leaves. Okay, yeah. <laughs> this one t- no, I went not going there. Sorry, That's... Mickey Mouse. Um anyway. No, sorry, Mickey Mouse, no, not drug leaves, literally just sitting around eating leaves from a tree. Like um, that's how simple my life was when I was seventeen. But like this 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 young woman is is just sort of miraculous. You know, I don't I don't know how she can have such perspective and such sort of zen like qualities when she's still so young. Maybe it is just by virtue of growing up in the kind of family and the kind of environment that she did, which was extremely chill. It was extremely detached from sort of the the distractions of modern life. They didn't have a television when they were growing up. They invented their own Olympics that they played together on the beach, her and all of her her brothers and sisters. Like it just seemed like a really cool place. And so getting an insight into who she is and her relationship with her family and the way in which she is tackling her own career, I think was, it's really illuminating. Um, And she's so ambitious as well. She's so, but like in a really quiet kind of understated way, so I think she's always sort of known that she has the talent. Um, it's just about trying to find the best way in which to utilize that and being patient with it as well. It's the other thing about her, like young players, I think can get so overconfident if they know that they're a big fish in a small pond, but Mary has always sort of been the kind of person who realizes that she still has so much to learn. And she really embraces that, which is really refreshing. I think. It wasn't like, do you guys know, did her brothers move with her? to be like support a support system when she went to Montpellier yeah in part so they went across to to play football as well so they all sort of participated in the game at various levels and they all lived together or lived together before she moved to England what a talented family my god spoiler alert oh my god you'll have to wait and see in episode five if 
Mary stays in Montpellier. Not, you know, we know that she does. They don't need to know that. Anywho, sorry, Angela, were you going to say more things about Mary Fowler? Excellent. Oh, I was just going to say this was this series is the first time I've ever heard her speak. <laughs> I think she does, and she maybe that's part of it. She's quite she is so low key, and I thought maybe she's she was shy, but I don't think that's necessarily necessarily what that's not necessarily the vibe that I'm getting. I just think that she's yeah, just a very chill person, um, which is. Yeah, it it is nice to have that kind of confirmed because I don't know athletes they they some they're sometimes not normal. You know what I mean? Like we can be like they're just like us, da da da. But Ellie Carpenter says this in in a couple of the episodes. She's like, no one quite understands it unless you're in it because it's such a unique set of circumstances to be that focused on one thing and to need to be good at one thing and to have your whole life from when you're a teenager based around that so yeah very awesome to see that Mary Fowler has come out of it unscathed and so balanced and yeah I've I I enjoyed the fact that they focused on her a bit in this series as well it really was enjoyable less enjoyable was that they ended the episode again returning to Ellie and just like the thing that really struck or, yeah, stuck out for me in this episode and then in the last three episodes of the series is kind of we get to see the wild change in emotion and mindset when you're in the immediate aftermath of a major surgery and you have a looming deadline because there's a home World Cup coming and blah, 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 blah. Because we saw times where Ellie, you know, is on the verge of tears talking about, like, what about if I can't? What about if everything turns to shit? What about if rehab doesn't go the way it's meant to? But then by the same token, like five minutes later, we'll see her talk about how like, no, this is actually a blessing in disguise. This is, you know, I needed some time away. It would have been better if it was by less traumatic means, but I needed to do this and I'm going to come back fitter and stronger and better. And I just really enjoyed seeing that like her mindset wasn't like I'm going to be okay and everything's going to be fine because that's not the reality like it was really human and vulnerable to be able to see Ellie like grapple with like what about if everything does turn to shit but then also like pumping herself up talking herself up being like no we're gonna do everything we need to I really enjoyed just watching her be a human and knowing that like you can wildly flop between two extremes when it comes to something as major as an ACL injury. Like, I know that sounds kind of weird, but I really liked seeing all side of facets, all sides of Ellie Carpenter's character, basically. And my other favourite was um after she and Danielle Vanderdonk go to the surgeon to check in, I think it's like three or six weeks post-surgery she leaves the doctor's office and she's just dancing with her crutches in the air as they walk down the street and Leon and I'm like that's the Ellie Carpenter we know after she's just been told you know like you're gonna need to do this you know it's gonna be a difficult road blah 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 blah. I just I loved everything we learned about Ellie Carpenter in this episode and in the whole series so I just wanted to gush about Ellie Carpenter a little bit more I liked being able to say that I was in a documentary with Danielle Vanderdonk that was it's a unique bragging, right? Six degrees of separation. Yeah. It counts. 
I refuse to be told it doesn't count, to be honest. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed getting to see Ellie Carpenter's character, but that's episode four. We will now move on. The next episode we'll be chatting about episode five and we'll get to see if Mary Fowler stays in Montpellier. Um, pretend Sam didn't spoil it in this episode. But thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we're on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app, as well as Spotify, Apple and Google, all of the usual pod spots. The documentary is called The Matildas, The World at Our Feet, streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. If you want to have a chat to us about the doco, we're at The Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see Thank you.